So this morning we get to celebrate a baptism. Um, and Judd, if you want to come on up here, you can. Sayla Laney. Uh, I'm, yeah, that's right. Those are the other ones. Um, so if you were here last Sunday, you remember me talking about how we were out on the front porch. Some of y'all were out there. And Judd ran out to me on the front porch, and he said, Daddy, I want to be baptized. And I was like, well, why? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it later. So um, that day, that afternoon was busy. Um, had some premarital counseling and all that going on. Um, so we didn't get to talk about it Sunday, but Monday when I got home from work, he reminded me, he said, Daddy, we, we need to talk about baptism. And uh, I was like, okay, let's do that. And we sat down at dinner, which Judd said is the best time to do this, by the way. Uh, dinner is the best time to do anything for Judd. Um, but Judd and I talked about sin, what sin is. And I asked Judd if he knew what sin was. And he said, no, not really. And we talked through what sin was. And I said, you know, as long as we have sin in our lives, um, we can't be with Jesus. And we talked about who was a sinner. And he said that he was a sinner. And he looked at me and he, he said, you're a sinner. And I said, yeah. And he looked at Beth and he said, Mama's a sinner. And I said, yes. <laughs> like if you're looking for the definition of... Um, um, and we talked about why Judd couldn't be with Jesus, but I could, even though I had sin in my life. We talked about how I had put my trust in the cross and Jesus' blood had covered my sin. And uh, we talked some more. It was probably a 45-minute conversation about salvation, the cross. And uh, y'all, y'all are going to have to pray for me this morning. I'm kind of fidgety and shaky doing this. But uh, Judd had a real understanding about his sin, about repentance, and about who Jesus was. And we got to the point where I said, son, do you want to make this decision and ask Jesus to save you? Um, or do you want to wait a while and think about it? And he said, I, th- I think I need to think about it. And I said, okay, that's fine. You think about it. So we all started getting up from the dinner table, and he said, I thought about it, and I want to do it. <laughs> and so uh, that night, Judd confessed to the Lord that he was a sinner and he asked Jesus to save him. And uh, So we're excited for him. Um, today is October the 9th, which means it's October the 10th in China, which means it's six years to the day that we met Judd today that we get to baptize him. And uh, 
Judd, we're so thankful for you, and we're so thankful that Jesus died for you and gave you hope of adoption into his family. And uh, we're going to dunk you today. We talked to him about who he wanted to baptize him, and he said, well, the old Judd put mama through a whole lot, so she might ought to get to baptize the new Judd. So this morning... Beth's going to baptize him. We've written on his handkerchief um, a quote by Ann Judson. She said, our, pr- our prayers run along one road and God answers by another and by and by they meet. We prayed for Judd. So that quote um, by Ann Judson, uh, Judd is actually named after her husband, which was a missionary, Adoniram Judson, to Burma. And um, he has a really hard but good story. And um, so we like that quote. Um, Anybody that knows us and has followed our adoption process knew that it took almost seven years. And um, there was a lot of obstacles on the way. There was a lot of hard things that we had to walk through. There was a lot of hard things that we had to learn. Um, There was a lot of growth um, in our walk with the Lord, in our marriage. And um, through it all, one of the things we said was we knew that God had told us to adopt. It wasn't the story we planned, but when is it ever? Um, And so one of the things we constantly repeated ourselves was, if God is for us, nothing can be against us. And so we just clung to that promise that um, he had called us to do this, and he would be faithful to the end. So I put that on the bottom. It's got your name on it, dude, with the date. What if you come back up and your hair is black? (laughs) Wouldn't that be wild? Okay, Jen. Who is Jesus to you? Our Savior. Your Savior? All right. With that, I baptize you, my brother. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Love you, dude. This morning, if you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18, you can. That's where we're going to be in the scripture. We baptized Judd at this point during the gathering this morning so that the waters would be available at the end. Um, If you've trusted the Lord or if you need to trust the Lord um, this morning, you can be baptized today. Baptism is reserved for those who have followed Jesus. It's a symbol. Judd is no more saved today than he was on Monday when he asked Jesus to save him. But it does represent that the old Judd is gone and the new Judd is raised to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. If you've been coming over the last few weeks, you know we have been walking through this series on King David called The Sling and the Rock, and that that series title flows from the biggest story from David's life that most people think about, David and Goliath. Uh, But we we started back before that, and in the first message, we talked about how the people were saying, give us a king. Uh, You remember that message? That was the first one. Then we talked about David's anointing um, by Samuel to be king. And then Kirk preached a couple weeks ago. Kirk did a fantastic job. We're thankful for you, Kirk. Uh, wherever you, thank you, Kirk. Uh, had several people thank me for the message Kirk had, had blessed them with. Tell him how it encouraged you if it did. And last week, we finished up David and Goliath and chapter 17 and we finished up where where David killed Goliath and found victory for all of Israel when he killed the giant. I've named this message a great and weird command and I think you'll see why in just a minute. It's a very different message I want to preface it with two things. I can't say that I'm confident that everyone in here absolutely needs to hear this message. There may be some people that have this figured out and they're good with it. And if that's you and you're bored with the message, praise the Lord. But can you pray for those that may not have it together? It's uncomfortable to me to to think that maybe everybody's not going to be engaged, but it's okay. Number two, I'm preaching this from a posture of continued education. Meaning, you know, there are some messages that God gives me and, and I deliver it. And man, it's from a place of authority because I've experienced it and God's given me victory and everything's awesome with it. So I can preach and, oh man, yeah, yeah, you know, I can, I can really preach the message. But this message is a message of uh, continued education. I'm still learning. I've got a lot to learn about this message. So that makes me uncomfortable also. 
You know what I mean? I wish I could preach it from a place of authority, but I can't today. I don't know if you need the message today, but I know with all certainty that Jesus has told me to preach it. And honestly, that's more important than whether or not you need it. Jesus has told me to say it, which means I'm sure there's somebody that needs to hear it. So we're going to preach it. A few weeks ago, I was posed with a question by somebody, and the question was, Dustin, do you love yourself? And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not game with that question. And this person said, no, I'm, I'm being serious with you. If somebody off the street were to come up to you and say, Dustin, you need to love yourself, how would that make you feel? And I said, it would make me feel weird, just like I'm feeling right now. I really don't want to talk about this. And then they said, well, Dustin, how does that fit with Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself? And it stumped me. And then they were like, no joke. If you had been loving your neighbor as yourself for the past eight to ten months, how well would you be loving your neighbor? And it stumped me. And I was like, you have ruined the great command for me now. Like, I will forevermore think now in this weird spot of you talking about me loving myself. And, and the truth is, is I haven't been loving myself well. And so for the past few months since I've been posed that question, it's, it's really all that's been on my mind. I mean, it has stumped me so bad. I'm sitting here trying to figure out, uh, you know, I had always focused on your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And I would even take as yourself off of it. Jesus taught us to love our neighbor. No, he didn't teach us to love our neighbor. He, t- he taught us to love our neighbor as ourself. And that's part of it. And so it's had me stumped, y'all. I've been rolling it around in my mind like, how does this fit? How does this fit? I don't understand this. I'm not doing this well. And so that's where the name of the sermon comes, a great and weird command. Then I start this series um, a few weeks ago in David, and I don't know how other preachers do it, but what I do is I, I take the passage that I'm studying and I study before it because I want to know where we're, how we got here. And then I take the passage after it and I study that too because I don't want to say something in this message that contra- I'm going to have to contradict in the other message in a few weeks. 
because then you look stupid. So all that plays into my study now, and this message today has been coming on me like a freight train. Finished up David and Goliath, finished up chapter 17 last week, 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. Then David had finished speaking with Saul. Jonathan, that Saul's son, was bound to David in close friendship and loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as he loved himself. So in three verses in chapter 18, this morning's passage, in three verses, twice, it says Jonathan loved David. But that's not all it says about Jonathan loves, about how much Jonathan loved David. It said that Jonathan loved David as much as Jonathan loved himself. So we need to talk about this. This isn't just Jesus' command from the New Testament. This flows all the way back as a thread through Scripture as not just loving your neighbor, but loving your neighbor as yourself. We're going to read the whole passage, and then we're going to come back and discuss it. I think it is an important message that we all need to think through. Let's start back over on verse 1. When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan was bound to David in close friendship and loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Then Jonathan removed the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his military tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. David marched out with the army and was successful in everything Saul sent him to do. Saul put him in command of the fighting men, which pleased all the people and Saul's servants servants as well. As the troops were coming back when David was returning from killing the Philistines, the women came out from all the cities of Israel to meet King Saul, singing and dancing with tambourines, with shouts of joy, and with three-stringed instruments. As they danced, the women sang... Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands, tens of thousands. Saul was furious and resented this song. They credited tens of thousands to David, he complained, but they only credited me with thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul watched David jealously from that day forward. Father, we come to you this morning and... We ask that your word would be heard and not the words of another. You know know the difficulty of this. But too much has has happened, too much has been seen, too much has been learned for me to not know that it's your will for this word to go forth today. I pray for ears to hear. I pray for my ears to hear. And I pray for the ears of our people to hear. Even supernatural words from you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's two things I want us to see from this passage. Number one, 
On your screen, loving ourselves rightly precedes loving our neighbors best. Loving ourselves rightly precedes loving our neighbors best. Does that make you feel weird? Like when, I, when I talk this loving yourself stuff, I'm, it's weird for me. It's probably weird for you. But the truth is to love our neighbor best, we have to learn to love ourselves well too. Why did, why did Jonathan love David so much? I think there is a reason as to why Jonathan loved David so much. Uh, it, this comes right after the story of David and Goliath. And if you, if you remember that story, the Philistine giant, Goliath, he was yelling, hey, you send one person out. You send one person out to fight me. And if, if they win, we'll serve you. But if you win, you're going to serve us. Jonathan was Saul's first son. Saul was the king. Jonathan is his first son. So if the Philistines would have won, Jonathan was toast. You hear me? Saul would have been killed because he was royalty, but Jonathan's first in line to the throne, they would have killed him too. And I think Jonathan noticed that God was working through David. They, he saw that David had worked on behalf of the Israelites and he, he loved him because he saw that he was submitted to God and that God was using him in his life. And Jonathan was basically saying, I owe my life to you. God used you to protect my soul. And I love you like my own soul. Now, there's a couple reasons why this can get weird. There's, there's, two, there's two sides how, how loving yourself can be wrong. This, this subject can be wrong. Uh, Casey, will you switch to the other screen? If it doesn't go right, we'll blame it on Katie. Katie, you messed up. Two sides to this. Um, come on, Katie. Brett, go fix Katie. There's two sides to this. There's, there's one side to it where I love myself too much. It's, it's narcissistic. Do you know what I mean? You've seen those people, right? There's a narcissist and they can't quit talking about themselves. And you want to be like, okay, brother, you're awesome. Can you just quit talking about it? This is also not loving ourselves in our own junk, in our own sin. It's not like we embrace who we are as sinners. We don't love ourselves in that. It's not free thinking. It's not like um, I love myself and I, I want to I go out and I want to figure out exactly how I can love myself best. You cannot disconnect loving yourself from loving your neighbor. And most of the time when people are so in love with themselves that they're trying to figure out every way they can love themselves best, everything around them is in shambles. When I love myself like that, I'm not loving my neighbor at all. Right? There's another side to this. 
It's also not self-deprecating. We don't love our neighbors so much that we never think about our own need. We don't, we don't love ourselves so little that we think we're not valuable to the kingdom. We don't, we don't love ourselves so little <coughs> sorry, that we're tormented by our past and we're, we're crippled in being able to live for Jesus now because we're tormented by who we used to be. And y'all, honestly, it's, it's not a balance I'm not trying to get somewhere in between narcissism and being tormented by my past. It's not a balance. All of that is sin and it needs to be identified and uprooted and tossed onto the chunk pile and burned. So this is how it's sinful. This is... This is how most people think, think about sin, and we've, we've talked about this. They, they want to draw this line and say, all right, on the other side of that line is not sin. That's holiness. That's, that's following Jesus. That's what following Jesus looks like. And on, on this side of the line is sin. It's the wrong things. And they want this to be the line, and they want to walk right up to the line where they're having a little fun, but they're not sinning. Right? I want to have as much fun as I can and not be sinning. But that's not how the scripture talks about sin and it's not how we talk about sin. We talk about sin as not aligning with who Jesus is. Jesus is the target and when we do not align, that is sin. I've heard people say, if I miss it, I want to miss it on the conservative Side, or I want to miss it on this side. Friend, that's untrue. If you miss Jesus, it don't matter what you hit. You can't miss it. Anything that misses Jesus is sinful. Does Jesus love you? Enough to die for you. Jesus loved me enough to die for me. Jesus loves me that way. And I have to figure out how I align with his love even for me. And you have to figure out how to align with his love even for you or you miss Jesus. So what does that look like? Did we give up on the screen? Huh? Man, y'all are getting a pay cut back there. Okay. What are some ways I want you to think with me? I want you to remember that this is coming from a place of continued education. I don't have it figured out. I want you to tell me some ways that we love ourselves well, like Jesus, right? We're not getting in this frou-frou, free-thinking type deal. That's sinful too. We're not getting into narcissism. How, do, how does Dustin love Dustin? 
like Jesus loves Dustin and like Jesus paid attention to his own needs. Tell me. We can talk to each other. This is the family room. I want you all to help me. How did Jesus love himself well? How did Jesus, how does Jesus love us well? Rest. Who said it? Rest. <laughs> she works for me. <laughs> We're going to talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> he did. Jesus separated himself, not in isolation, to get his way and to get sin worked out in his life. Not so I can go sin apart from other people. Not to have this, this me time, but he, he separated himself from others to meet with the Father. And he cared for his own soul in that way. He rested. When the waves were crashing on the boat and the, the, the disciples were panicking, Jesus is taking a nap. Man, y'all just woke me up. He rested. Do you see what I'm saying? How else? Huh? Prayer. He, he spent time in prayer with the Father. He spent time asking the Father about His will and, and telling the Father that, hey, this is kind of bothering me right now, but I surrender to your will. He, he did that. You remember that? How else? Fasting. Jesus fasted. I need to. <laughs> Baptism. Baptism. Obedience. Do what? Fellowship. Fellowship. He, he spent time with other believers. He spent time uh, surrounded by other people in his life. And it wasn't only about him pouring into them, but he was, he was doing himself well to be with other believers. Friend, you're not loving yourself if you have stepped away from community. You might not even like the people in your community, but Jesus said for us to be in community with other believers, and it's for our good. How else? He served... He washed feet. That's right. He, uh, he, when he was tempted, he wasn't just stuck there, but he had truth to combat, combat the temptation with. He loved himself by knowing the promises of God. He didn't what? He didn't get caught up in arguments. Man, that's a way to love yourself. Ain't nobody walked away from a Facebook argument feeling good about themselves. You feel like you've been weed eating in a dog pen, got doo-doo all over you. Hey, it may not be very good here, but you can't get it anywhere else. That's what we say. Yes, sir. He gave his life. He laid down his life. You know, one of the best ways to love yourself is to lay your desires down, to lay your life down. It's ironic, and I ain't got time to get there today, but we will get there sometime. 
as the author of scripture, he was still in it. He did not judge, he loved. He lived with purpose. He wasn't just stammering through life, he lived with purpose. This is all good and stuff I need to go back and watch. Y'all, thank you. There's something about Jonathan, though, in this passage, and it's in verse 4. Now, there's, there's a key to understand here. David was not going to take Saul's place on the throne. Did you know that? Saul was going to live out his days on the throne as king. Jonathan was his heir, and David was going to take Jonathan's throne. But Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And there's verse 4 that is extremely important in chapter 18. Jonathan removed the robe he was wearing, which was a royal robe. Gave it to David. Along with his military tunic, his war tunic. Gave it to David. His sword, his bow, his weapons, his defense, his attack, his military um, gear, he's given it to David and his belt, which would have had money, his money on it. He takes all this stuff off and gives it to David. And this is a symbol of Jonathan saying to David, my identity my, what I think of Jonathan is not found in me being the next king. It's not found in my money. It's not found in my war hero status. It's not found in how the people think of me. It's found in the king. The king. Not a king, but the king. And friend, listen to me. As a believer, we have to find our identity in just being Jesus' son and daughter. And that, that leads me to point number two, the next point, finding our identity in anything, even God's callings, blessings, missions, ministry, sometimes especially in those things. Other than valued son or daughter of Jesus is a deep spiritual and mental pit that is difficult to climb out of. Man, if you start, find, if you start finding your, your, your identity in, in service to Jesus or in ministry to Jesus or ministry to others, I want you to hear my voice that can be taken away from you today. You might as well just surrender it now. And that's where we get to Saul's response. Did you see that? So Jonathan is giving David all this stuff. He's saying, I see God's hand on you. And, and my identity is found in God anyway. It's obvious that you're going to be the next king. Here, I just surrender it to you. Saul, though, afterward, after David has smoked the Philistines, won the battle, he and Saul, David and Saul are going down the road, and for some reason the women run out in the street. The other day I was walking my dog, and all the women came out of their houses and started singing at me. I don't know what it's about, but anyways, there's something about this stuff the women come out in the street and they say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. 
And Saul doesn't say, that's right, together, that's 11,000. He said, did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they said? Man, the next thing he's coming after is my kingdom. And what holds him back? Saul did not find his identity in who Jesus said he was. Saul found his identity in being the king. And he could see it slipping from his fingers. And friend, when you, when you are there, when you are there and, and these things start being removed from you and you don't love who God has just made you to be in him, you can fall off in a pit. And you don't just step out of it. It's a long-term claw to get out of it. We don't find our identity, even in good things, even in God things, we find our identity in only who Jesus says we are. Two applications. We're done. Number one, you have permission, permission ultimately and most importantly from Jesus, but also this church to love yourself and take care of yourself. Once again, we're not talking in the frou-frou language here. I'm not telling you to go find yourself or any of that kind of stuff. What I am telling you is I don't know how many times a church has said or, or a believer has said to another, you have permission to care for yourself. You have permission to take care. Go get you some rest. And I think this has caused a lot of problems within the body. Do you think comparison is a problem in the body? Do you think we compare ourselves to other people because we hate them? Or because we are not pleased with who God has made us? You have permission... To love yourself well. That means take a break like Jesus did. You know what else that means? That means sometimes saying no. You have permission to say no. Not just to the bad things. You have permission to say no to some good things. So that you can do exactly what Jesus has called you to do. Rightly. We want you. It is our heart's desire not for you to do what we want you to do. We're not trying to get you to do our thing. It is our heart's desire for every single person that's a a part of this congregation to do exactly what Jesus has gifted you and called you to do. So that means sometimes when we call, that means sometimes you need to say, I'm sorry, Dustin, but I can't do that this time. You have permission. Not, I mean, my permission doesn't mean a whole lot, but Jesus's does. Some of you have have said, "I I can't lead a home group again this time. I can't lead a life group again this time. 
because my, my family's been tied up, my family's been busy, that's not wrong. If God said for you to do that, that's right. God forbid me ask you to do something that God's telling you not to. What kind of pastor is that? We're a body. And I I think it's one of the things that the church doesn't get. And I don't know that I've seen it get it my whole life. We're a body. And it's clear in the scripture, we don't need the arm trying to be an ankle. We need the ankle doing what ankles do. We need shoulders doing what shoulders do. And if we're, we're constantly comparing ourselves, am I as important as them? Or, you know, I'm really not crazy about what God's told me to do. I feel like an elbow. What good is an elbow? It's it's big deal. Stop cons- comparing. Just say, Jesus has gifted me and, and, and made me this way, and this is who I'm going to be for him. And it's valuable. Number two, if you're, if you're struggling, like if you're really struggling to love yourself, find value in yourself. Number two, believe the one who loves you best. There's, there's been some times in, in, in my recent journey where some things have been going on in my mind that I have had to set over here even though it felt really we, uh, real and genuine and authentic, and I had to pick, back, pick the scriptures back up and say, this, man, I'm, I'm struggling to love Dustin right now, but I know who does, and, and I can just trust him. And it, and it doesn't always feel good, y'all. I don't get it right all the time. But, but the, the author of this scripture, the one who died on the cross for us, always loves us best, and when we say yes To him, that's loving ourselves best. There's nothing you can do to better love yourself than to surrender to the only one we know for sure. Has a God-sized love for each of us. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to trust Jesus for the first time. And I want to tell you this. There's nothing, there's no step that you need to take to love yourself better past this step if you've never taken it. That was a lot of words. I don't want to give you a bunch of stuff to go do to love yourself until you have surrendered to Christ because that's the very best thing you can do to love yourself. So this morning, if you've, if you've never done that, you know it takes childlike faith, uh, it takes Judd-like faith to surrender to Christ. The scripture says that. And that means that I don't care what other people 
think about this decision. I don't care what other people think about me. I, I'm tired of the old Judd. He said this. He was like, I hate the old Judd and I want the new Judd. And because he trusted Jesus, he can have it. Today, if you're sick of the old and you want the new in Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. If you will, just stand right now. We'll help you know and trust Jesus for the first time. I know him. He needs to be saved again. (laughs) For the first time, if you've never trusted Jesus, stand and we can help you know him. You can come see me this week if you need to give your life to Christ. Now, this this is something else. And I want to go ahead and tell you that when I get done praying for the group that stands, I'm going to pray for the group that doesn't stand. So you don't have to stand right now. I'm still going to pray for you. But what's different about this is I can have the church come around and pray for you if you stand. You know what I'm saying? If you're struggling in this way, I can have others come around you and pray over you and love on you. If you have a real struggle loving yourself, sometimes you look in the mirror and you, you, just, you just hate who you see. And it's not because you haven't put your makeup on yet or anything like that. But you look in the mirror and, and you hate who you see or you have, you have thoughts that you struggle with that are, that are nonsense thoughts. You know, you know the scripture and you know what's best, but you still have a hard time loving yourself. I want to ask you, if you will, stand right now and we'll come pray for you. Friends, will you move around? And let's pray for these. Lay hands on them. Father, we come to you this morning and We confess that we struggle with deep things in our soul. And I have to identify with this group as well and and say sometimes it's a struggle even though I know the truth. Will you speak louder than the enemy to our minds and souls? When he screams, will you scream louder? When we're weak, will you be strong? We believe you to be because you've promised to be. I pray for these, my brothers and sisters, and I pray that they would know they never take a step alone. 
I pray for those who are sitting in their chair that wanted to stand, but they, they know this is a tough subject. They know this is a tough thing to talk about and think about, and they want it as far from their mind as possible. But, God, we need to bring this into the light and expose it and say, this feels like a cage, but aren't you the God we sing about that makes the chains fall? Have your way in these dear ones. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, we're going to pray. And I think this is the first time I've ever done this, but I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you, everybody close your eyes, head bowed. Nobody's looking. And if you would say, Dustin, I struggle here, but I'm too ashamed or it's too deep or it's too big. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up right then, but I need you to pray for me. Will you just raise your hand? Father, I pray for these raising their hand, and God, I know where they're at also. Sometimes I feel like I take steps toward exposing it, and sometimes I, I feel like I'm sprinting back into the cave to hide it. God, will you go to their souls? Will you speak truth about exactly who you've made them to be? Would you, would you show them their value in you? Would you help them confess their sin and walk in obedience, complete obedience to you? Would you help them surrender their belt and their tunic and their all that stuff that this world says is most valuable and most important, their status, would you help them just give that away and align with you? It sounds simple, it sounds really good, but I know it's difficult. So I also pray you grant them grace. But don't leave them where they are. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Help us know what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.